All right, I have some breaking news. What? Okay, it's not really going to be so much breaking news once this episode goes live, but it will be breaking news for anybody who does not follow The Bold Talk on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, which you totally should. You definitely should. It'll also be breaking news if you don't follow the creator and season one showrunner of The Bold Type, Sarah Watson. And it's also going to be breaking news if you don't follow Axe Body Spray. Wow, what the hell is this? <laughs> what is the so, news? <laughs> so I'm just gonna like yeah, I'm gonna lead with it, and then I'm gonna give you all the full context. Or should I tease you with it? What do you want? I do like a good tease. Okay. So <laughs> first off, have you heard about the straight pride parade that some <laughs> fucker yes. in Boston has organized? Okay. I'm rolling my eyes if you can't tell, but yes. It's, it's stupid. I'm pretty sure our listeners know it's stupid. We don't have to explain why it's stupid. Whatever. Anyway, some dude named Tony Poznanski tweeted this. Floats for the straight pride parade. And then they th- then put a list. Giant Axe body spray. Bag of Doritos. Big Mountain Dew. Tommy Laren riding a swastika, Jacob Wool waving on a Twinkie, Charlie Kirk in a diaper, the curly-haired gun girl in a beige leotard riding an AR-15, and Giant Parents' Basement. Okay, can I just let you know that you said Tommy Loren's name wrong? Ah, fuck her. She doesn't need her name to be pronounced correctly. <laughs> Fair enough. I never knew how to pronounce her name, and I never actually cared enough to, like, you know, look it up. So, like, whatever. I'm just gonna leave that in. So, Axe Body Spray tweeted back and said, We'll be at the parade that matters, and this one isn't it. Damn, way to go, Axe. (laughs) So, some woman named Jill tweeted back and said, Good to know you don't support straight people. How very uninclusive and intolerant of you. My straight son and my straight partner have decided to no longer use your products since you don't support them. I'm glad, because I think Axe smells like garbage. Hashtag stay out of politics. (laughs) Okay. So, Axe tweeted back, Gay rights are human rights, but go off, Jill. Wow. (laughs) And... Sarah Watson, and this is where this is where the bold type comes into play. I promise this isn't completely like unrelated. Sarah Watson, like as I said earlier, the creator and season one showrunner of the bold type, quoted this tweet and said, "I wish Axe Body Spray didn't smell like Axe Body Spray because this is poetry." And then Axe responded to this and said, "Sarah, we love the bold type over here." Oh. <laughs> And then Sarah um, quoted that tweet and said, Today, June 6, 2019, I announced my retirement, because how could I ever top this? <laughs> and then they responded, Sarah, please don't retire, because we need so much more of the bold type, like Richard and Sutton forever. Wow. All right. So, as and I'm going to quote Sarah Watson's tweet, I have an important announcement. Axe Body Spray ships Suttered. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> so, I thought this was very important, and I felt like, you know, all of our listeners need to know about this. Okay, fair enough. And I posted this on Facebook, and I got one of our listeners, Sophie, who was also a personal friend. Hi, Sophie. She said, bless the intern who was probably not getting paid to make our days. <laughs> yeah. And that is absolutely right. Bless that intern. Yeah, you go intern. All right. Should we get into talking about this episode? Yeah, let's go for it. This is The Bold Talk, the podcast where we discuss every episode of The Bold Type week by week. I am Jeremy Rodriguez. And I'm Sam Saff. This week we are discussing Season 3, Episode 9, The Final Push, which was written by Neil Shaw and directed by Kimberly McCullough. Alright, let's start off with Jane Stripe. Yeah! Does that sound good? 
<laughs> sure. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> All right. Well, okay. I just have to say, I mean, I feel like the last few weeks, the writers have been hinting that something was going to happen between the two of them. They've been highlighting um, Pinstripe's book and how it talks so much about being single and living the single life in New York and all the great things that come with that. But now he's on his book tour and he and Jane are not speaking as often. You can just kind of tell that things are, I don't know, that things were getting a little rocky. Then Pinstripe has an NPR interview and Jane listens to it. And essentially, Pinstripe says that he sort of misses being single, that, you know, being in a relationship, it's a trade-off because he misses out on that lifestyle that he loves so much, which naturally offended Jane to the point that she kind of sent him a snarky message about it. And Pinstripe ends up calling Jane drunk, saying he was only trying to sell books and he just misses Jane. But you can tell in his phone call that like something, that he's feeling guilty about something, right? His like eyes are welling up and he's just like repeating himself. I don't know. He just he just seems guilty. Then <laughs> really, you thought he felt you, you thought he seemed guilty right out of there. I, I immediately thought that immediately. Aww. Yeah, I was giving him the benefit of the doubt. Oh well, you're a better person than me. I know, and I shouldn't be giving the people the benefit of the doubt. So <laughs> this is why I always get hurt. Oh well, stop. That's actually really sad. Okay. Well, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> moving on. This isn't therapy. This is the bald talk. Yes, we will talk about this after. Um, <laughs> but but no. So really, it just ends up being that Pinstripe shows up at Cat's election party. Which, of course, we're jumping ahead, but this is the end of the episode. And Pinstripe confesses to Jane that when he was drunk on the book tour, he kissed someone else. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, swears that it was just a quick kiss and he pulled away and immediately ended it, realizing the error of his ways. However, the episode ends with Jane pretty much saying, like, wow, I'd wish I'd heard your interview before and we wouldn't have wasted so much time. What did she mean by that? I, w- I wish I heard your interview before. Because I think like, what she, was she implying? I think she was implying that, like, that interview was a deal breaker for her. Mm. You know, not like maybe officially, but like that it definitely put the idea in her head that maybe they weren't supposed to be together, that like, you know, he's not over being single and he wants to continue to pursue that lifestyle. Okay. But I also think Jane was coming from a place of like, what the fuck? You know, and just kind of said something, you know, and had to bring up the fact that she was pissed about the interview because she was even before she knew about this. Yeah. So I don't know. It kind of seems like uh, the two are not at least at the moment they're not together, but we still have one more episode. So it always makes me wonder if they're going to reconcile. What do you think Jane should do? (sighs) For a long time, I've always been an advocate of like, if somebody cheats, they're going to, you know, like, that's it. That's a deal breaker. That's the end. But, you know, as I've gotten older, I've kind of realized that we're all human and people do make mistakes. And that doesn't necessarily mean that it should end everything. In this case, though, their relationship is very new. And given the fact that he's going around on a book tour promoting his this single lifestyle that he's no longer living, you know, he's like kind of putting on a facade. It it would worry me. And I would probably want to end it, too. Right. What about you? Uh, I like that he was honest with her. I think that goes a long way. That's true. Because, like, sometimes I'm, I think, like, well, why'd you even say anything? Like, you know, like, I- ignorance is bliss kind of thing. Not that I agree with that necessarily, but I do believe that ignorance is bliss sometimes. Yeah, I mean, but still, like, you know, I like the honesty here. It's just saying, like, hey, I just want to be transparent and upfront with you. Hey, I fucked up. I think that's going a long way right there. Yes, he does score some points that way. One of the things that um, Stephen Conrad Moore, who plays Oliver, he tweeted about this, and he's, you know, I-, I guess he was just, like, putting his two cents in the show. He said, like, oh, he was honest with you, and it's just a kiss. But, like, I don't necessarily believe in, like, it's just a kiss. 
Yeah. If anything, this is going to sound, like, really weird, like, the way I phrase it, but, like, I feel like a pinstripe would have sex with somebody else. I feel like that would be more forgivable than kissing somebody else. I actually get what you're saying. <laughs> you get me, though? Like, because I feel like kissing implies, like, you know, emotional intimacy and whatnot. Having sex, I feel like it's just, like, it's just having sex. I know not all people necessarily think that way, but, like, that's just my worldview. I don't think sex is, like, as important or anything like that, but... You know, I mean, and who knows, like, maybe the kiss could have escalated into something else if, like, Pinstripe, like, you know, t- took it further. Well, he does say that, right? He stopped it as it started, like, as if, yeah, he as did. if it may have continued into something else. So I was about to say, like, I, I want to know, like, the full context behind this, though. Like, was it, um, you know, did he take this girl back to his room? In which case, then I'd be like, hmm, okay. Or was it, like, you know, oh, they were in a club and then they just, you know, they got drunk and started to make out. Yeah, I mean, like, I agree with, like, if there was more flirting involved and more, like, I don't know, like you said, intimacy. Yeah. I, I so, think that's that's less forgivable. Yeah, I mean, it was, I feel like it would be a completely different story if it was just, like, you know, some girl saw him at a club and thought he was hot, started dancing up on him, and then the two of them just started to, like, you know, go at it. I feel like that's a little bit different. Meanwhile, like, let's say if it was... I don't know, some fan at his book tour who says, like, oh, I really enjoyed your book. (laughs) (laughs) You you know, do you get what I'm saying, though? Like, I feel like that would be a little bit, I feel like that would be worse if Pinstripe did something like that and gave in to that type of temptation. Yeah, I mean, I've always said that emotional cheating is worse than physical. Oh, definitely, yeah. I mean. So, like I said, I just feel like we need to know, like, a lot of context behind this. But I think Pinstripe gets some points for just just being honest with her at the very end yeah but the other thing that i i think just in regard to jane and pinstripe not necessarily for every person who's in this situation but i think that this was kind of coming already you know like jane was starting to question things already and this was kind of like icing on the cake yeah so like even though he was honest i feel like it's it's tough to just say that his honesty is going to like negate the feelings that she was already having and the doubt she already seemed to have had about their relationship. Yeah, and she even said like in this episode to like um I, I forgot who asked her, but it was it was probably Kat, I think, who asked um Jane like, "Oh, how did things go with Ryan last night?" And then Jane was like, "Oh, it's great when we do talk." Yeah. So there's obviously like, you know, there's a lot of insecurity going on right there. Well, yeah, and then knowing more about the book and, like, what it represents and all that, I think, made Jane very uncomfortable once Alex yeah. brought that up, what, an episode or two ago. Mm-hmm. So About Madame Bovary having an affair. And you can't ignore the fact that Jane didn't ask Pinstripe to move in, like, it wasn't even on her radar, you know, like, all of those things were kind of, like, indicative of, you know, maybe she she just was kind of not feeling it as much anymore. But who knows? Something tells me that they're gonna, you know, try to tie this up neatly in a bow by the end i don't want that though there needs to be some probably like redemption arc going on for pinstripe right now because i don't think jane doesn't have to forgive him but i feel like there's a lot of there's a lot of factors at play to yeah figure out whether or not she should you know right and even if she does forgive him i still kind of hope they don't end up together though i hope that they still go their separate ways just because i i like alex living there i like that whole dynamic of them and i feel like jane being single like makes sense she's really invested in her job and she's you know she spends a lot of time at it and she works hard and i just i don't know she doesn't necessarily need anybody true not that any of the girls need anybody i'm not saying that but (laughs) you know i'm just saying like jane's character kind of lends itself to her being single we shall say. Um, one thing I want to say, though, about the scene in the opening where Jane does that dance for Pinstripe, and Pinstripe's like, give me something to work with here. 
And I kind of wanted to be like, don't you want to give Jane something to work with? Yes! <laughs> oh my god, I thought the exact same thing. I'm like, okay, so what are you bringing to the table, buddy? Yeah, exactly. But I mean, again, like, you know, maybe that is also a little bit of foreshadowing to say like, oh, I need something to work with because I'm horny and I need like some release here. Yeah, that makes sense. So who knows? But all I'm saying is like, hey, like, you know, give Jane something to work with too, you know? Yeah, definitely at least offer. <laughs> you know i mean even if she's like eh, i'm good <laughs> <laughs> all right well let's move on to the slightly more stable couple <laughs> slightly being the key word there <laughs> except they're not stable i mean except they're not a couple right now but they could be that's still <laughs> yeah that's still possible but anyway <laughs> go ahead Anyway, so with um, Kat and Zena, we pick up right where the last episode ended, where they were just walking through a park. So Adina tells Kat that she essentially panicked and just got, like, in her own head, and that's why she left her in Paris, like, you know. It just seems like there's a lot of nuances to why she left. It doesn't seem to be, like, a real, like, concrete, like, how to answer or anything like that. So Kat leaves with that, and now she's, like, a little bit more confused. In addition to that, she's also a little bit insecure about possibly becoming councilwoman. And so basically, she's just like very anxious the entire episode. But then she ends up going to Adina's place and confessing all these like feelings that she's going through. Keep in mind, Adina's the only person she's confessing this to because she feels safe with Adina. And then Adina picks up this beautiful picture that she took of Kat. I believe it was in Paris. Was that photo in Paris? Yes. Okay. So she picks up the, the photo from Paris and Adina tells Kat, like, you do inspire me. And then I can't even, like, put this into words, so I'm just trying to put the clip right here of what Adina says to Kat. When I saw this picture, it, it clicked. You did inspire me, Kat, with your grace, your fire, your spirit. And I know that you'll do the same for everyone else when you're elected. Only you can decide what's best for you right now. But the Cat Edison I know, she is all about growth. I mean, you were only into boys when I first met you, and look at you now. (laughs) (laughs) And since we have been apart, you have continued to grow. You kept using your voice to fight for the things that matter to you. And yeah, if you continue with that, you may have to leave Scarlet, which is scary. But I know you can handle it. If that's what you want. So that was beautiful. It really got me choked up and in my feels and everything like that. So cut to the campaign party. For one thing, Kat does invite Adina to the party and Adina does show up. Which, did you notice um, Tia's facial expression when she saw Kat talking to Adina? Yes. Yeah, it was like very telling. Like, oh no, what's going to happen? Yeah. But at the end of the day, and this is how the episode ends actually... Cat lost the city council election. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. If she did win, it would have changed the whole story. Like, the whole show, really. I mean, yeah, what's, yeah, you're absolutely right. Not to be that person who's like, you know, this happened because of the show, but it's like, it did, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, it, it makes sense for the incumbent to win because they're just more likely to win. But like, being that close of an election, I was like, I feel like Kat got screwed over with this a little bit and they kind of just brushed her off because they couldn't write the story with her being the councilwoman. <laughs> 
I hope it wasn't like, you know, they wrote the story and be like, can we really write a story about, <laughs> about someone in political office? Let's not do it. Yeah. I hope that's not how it came to be. That's probably what happened, though. They were probably like, I don't want this to, you know, be wrong. <laughs> you noticed there was like a little bit of a win here, though, because um, prior to this, or prior to Kat, like, officially losing, we find out that um, Councilman Lawrence Reynolds, I don't know why I felt like I need to say his name like that, but Councilman Lawrence Reynolds, <laughs> um, he was basically taking a lot of um, Kat's platform into his own. Mm-hmm. So I feel like, you know, he ended up like listening to the people at the end of the day and realized like, oh, hey, like this is this is what we need to do as well. Yeah. So there might be like a little bit like a subtle win right there because, you know, he ended up realized like, oh, God, people are really responding for Kat. Maybe I should be doing this stuff, too. Granted, he's a politician and he could very much be lying and just saying that to get voters. Yeah. But I'd like to think that this is just like a very subtle win for Kat. Who knows? Like, maybe Kat could, like, work with him in some other capacity. Yeah, well, even um, Tia says that, like, it's good that he's taking our platform because it means our platform is good. So I don't know. Maybe that is a sign of some change to come. Yeah, like, maybe that um, that lesbian bar, which the name I'm absolutely forgetting from, <laughs> from earlier in the season, but, like, maybe that won't get closed down. Who knows? You think it's still open? I don't know. Oh, I kind of thought that ship had sailed. <laughs> so to speak that's that's sort of like you know that's what like you know that storyline kind of failed not failed but the storyline kind of like fell away yeah just like fizzled out they do that though you know yeah they always do but whatever (laughs) yeah it's okay i mean i get it you can't wrap up everything neatly because life doesn't really happen that way either people just they were important in the news for when they were important and then they kind of lost traction because they didn't earn the money so yeah it kind of makes sense that we wouldn't hear about them anymore right so what do you think's going to happen with Kat and Adina? Mm. I have a feeling that they are going to end up together. Because especially okay. that, especially Kat not winning the election means that she and Tia have no like real connection anymore. Right. I mean, obviously, they, they have a connection romantically, but like not any connection through work or like any other reason to see each other other than they're dating. So if Kat's not interested, I think that's going to be pretty obvious pretty quickly. My thing, though, is that I kind of hope Tia leaves Kat. Honestly, I think that's how it will happen. Okay. Because, like, you know, you, you can tell, like, even um even during the campaign party, Tia was like, I can't wait for this election to be over so we can figure this out. And then she sees her with Adina, and then she realizes, like, oh, wait, I think we, I think I do have this figured out. This isn't going to work out, regardless of the election outcome. Right. So, who knows? Um, I will say this. I know you don't watch the promos because you watch it on Hulu and you don't watch it on Freeform. Do not watch the promos if you don't want a spoiler. Oh, good, I won't. I fucking hate spoilers. I will not watch it. Because I was like, they're showing this? Isn't that Why are so they showing irritating this? when they do shit like that? Ugh. Yeah, exactly. Grant said, like, you know, we you know, we still don't know the context behind it or anything like that. Like, it could mean anything. But I'm just going to say this. I feel like the listeners need to know this as well. Like, do not watch the promo if you want to avoid spoilers. All right, fair enough. You heard it here <laughs> first. Don't watch the spoilers. So... Moving on to uh, Sutton and Carly. Yay, this is so nice. I I love this storyline. So Sutton is charged with babysitting Carly for the afternoon at Scarlet while Oliver's in meetings. And I, I love how Oliver's like, this isn't your job. But you might watch it. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I just need you to do this for me. Okay, thanks. <laughs> it's so cute. So this is why Sutton is like, you know, trying to she's trying to fit a model for one of her dresses for the Julian Grant fashion show that's coming up for her seminar. And she's fitting the model. 
and then she puts the dress aside, and then Carly, like, looks at the dress, and then Sutton's like, no, Carly, no, like, you can't, you can't touch that right now. And then Carly's like, I just wanted to see what it looked like. And also Carly is observing the model drinking this, like, you know, this juice blend thing as well. And um, just a little side note, though, like, if this were any other show, (laughs) my favorite line, I feel like Carly would probably fuck up, like, all of Sutton's clothing or something like that. This is like a slapstick comedy. Yeah, I was expecting her to, like, fuck him up. (laughs) yeah exactly but at the end of the day like i like that like carly's smart you know she knows how to listen to directions she's not like you know a hopeless child or anything like that no and she's not like taking a huge turn for the worse she's just kind of going through something yeah exactly so carly she initially told um oliver that like oh she's not feeling well she has a headache and everything like that so Sutton ends up asking Carly, like, oh, how about a milkshake and a burger and some fries? And then she's like, oh, um, my stomach hurts. I don't, I'm not really hungry. Like, how about I have a juice? And then Sutton's like, a juice is not a meal. And she's like, oh, it was for that model. And then Sutton's like, Carly, what's up? And Carly ends up confessing that she didn't want to go to school because it was picture day and she feels ugly. Mm -mm, Poor girl. And then Sutton takes her for a walk and they talk it through and everything. And she basically tells them... Carly, that everybody's a little bit insecure. You're feeling insecure right now, but, like, everybody feels like that. You know, and then, she, you know, Carly ends up shooting back and saying, like, but do you really understand what this is like? Because you're tall and thin, and you have a boyfriend who looks like a Ken doll. <laughs> which I, I love that comparison, by the way, because Richard is definitely the ultimate Ken doll. With a penis, With a penis. <laughs> <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> um, and nipples. <laughs> and chest hair. True, true. But anyhow, <laughs> so um, Sutton ends up telling her, like, you know, like, yeah, I was thin, but in a clumsy way, and I had really bad acne, so she ends up showing Carly, like, hey, like, I was insecure for a bunch of different reasons as well. And one of the things I really loved about this storyline is that Sutton didn't pull Carly aside to say, oh, you actually are beautiful. You're, you're just an ugly duckling right now, and you'll become a swan one day. Because it wasn't about, hey, you actually are beautiful. And it wasn't, like, about reassuring Carly. It was just about, like, reassuring somebody to find the beauty within yourself. And I really love that message. I thought that was very powerful. Yeah, and even after she does take her school picture, she says that she's amazing, not that she's beautiful, mm-hmm. which I also liked. Like you said, it's not about her beauty, so to speak. It's just about how confident she is in herself. Exactly. But this conversation ends up inspiring Sutton to create her clothing for everyone, not just models. And I really like the pointed way of using the term everyone, because I feel like it would be really um, it would be really easy to say, like, I want to make my, my clothing for real women, which, you know, no matter what size you are, you are a real woman. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. I didn't catch that, but yeah. So, f- funny story about that, though. I took great passion in making this observation, but then in the promo for next week, which who knows, like, it's a promo. They could cut this out for the final episode. Sutton does say, I want to make my clothes for real women. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, well, this completely, like, you know, hurts, like, my argument right here, but hopefully it'll stay intact. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, you're right. It could. Well, either way, it's a nice message for now. Definitely. See what, see what next episode brings. But yeah, I thought that the um, dynamic between Sutton and Carly was really sweet. Definitely. All right. Let's start talking about Richard, our resident Ken doll with a penis. What? <laughs> <laughs> that was beautiful. This, there's, uh, there's honestly not too much to say about Richard in this episode, but 
it seems like it's going to be a bigger plot point next episode. Mm -hmm. But at Kat's election party, he tells Sutton that his friend Dev got some seed money to invest in a VC shop that invests in clean energy. (laughs) What the fuck does that mean? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I just hear Richard saying like a bunch of words. I'm like, okay. (laughs) Yeah, hold on. Oh, you actually looking it up and doing the responsible thing? Yeah, but I still don't know, and it seems like too much. <laughs> All right, well, anyway, his friend got money to invest in somewhere that invests in clean energy, <laughs> and he wants Richard's help running it. But the issue is that it's in San Francisco, um, which, of course, would mean uprooting his entire life and Sutton's in some capacity if she chose to come with him. But Sutton's like, what did you say? And he said, I told him I couldn't do it. And Sutton like smiles. Then Jane comes over to talk to Sutton about what just happened with her and Pinstripe. So the conversation is clearly tabled. And you see Richard's face there. He's sort of like, it's just sort of like a dead expression. Like, I don't even know how to describe it. Yeah, like, I I think he might have was expecting maybe a little more or he wanted a little more from Sutton of like, you know, I'm really sorry that you had to do that. Or like, you know, I don't know. Yeah, just just a little more support about it than she gave. Yeah, I don't know. This is a little perplexing. I don't know if they brought it up in the uh, previews for next week, but I feel like this is not brought up, actually. Okay. well, I'm curious because I don't know. Maybe like maybe Richard's going to leave the show. Yeah, because. I don't think it's necessarily, you know, it was his decision to, like, let Sutton, like, you know, achieve her career, because she didn't want kids and everything like that. It was, um, it was definitely his decision to let her do all that stuff. But, you know, if he has dreams of his own, too, and he shouldn't necessarily hold himself back, either. Well, and he, when he's talking to Sutton about pursuing the fashion school, he quotes, he pretty much brings up his own life when he was just finishing law school or something like I forget exactly the context but he was going to potentially join a startup company and that was what he really wanted to do but he ended up kind of taking the safer route so there's definitely some passion there for him to get involved with something from the ground up so I have a feeling this is a bigger deal for him you know than just a job offer he's turning down yeah because I don't know I feel bad for him right now. Yeah, and also, I mean, yes, he's with Sutton. They do plan to be together, of course. But really, what else does he have here? You know, his father's gone. I don't even know if they've really mentioned his mother, if his mother's already passed or... I don't, yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't think they ever So it just, he doesn't really have any ties here with the exception of Sutton. So it's kind of... I don't want to say it's shitty for him to stay just for her because, I mean, people do that and that's great if that's really what you want to do and you're not going to resent them for it. But it did feel like he wanted a little more from Sutton or maybe he was just being hopeful that she would be willing to consider it. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like this is just like, we just got to wait and see. (laughs) Because I I don't know. I, I also think like, you know, I always try and think of it from the writer's standpoint. It's like, what more is there to Richard and Sutton? You know, they they live together, they're happy together, but they've established that they don't want their, at least Sutton has established she's not ready to have kids. She's not ready to like settle down in that capacity. So what more is there for Richard? You know, they might just be writing him off the show because it's kind of over. Yeah. Again, Sutton didn't ask Richard to, like, stay for her. She didn't ask him to do anything, so it's not like she forced it. But I feel like Richard feels a little bit, um, he feels a little bit sad, just because it seems like he's willing to give so so much up for Sutton, but in his eyes, it doesn't seem like Sutton's willing to give up anything for him. Right, and I also think that, you know, their difference in age and life experience plays a role 
just because, you know, Sutton is still figuring herself out and Richard is kind of kind of knows who he is. You know, he's he's established, he's been successful in all his ventures and, you know, he might just be ready for a change, whereas Sutton is still like figuring out what her life is going to be. Maybe the difference in where they are in their lives might be a bigger deal than they try to make it out to be. And I feel like, you know, much like with Pen Sharp and Shade, like, you know, the seeds have been planted for this. Yeah, throughout the season. I kind of also feel like the writers might be just trying to like make Jane and Sutton be single and potentially Kat too. Like I wouldn't even be mad if Kat just ended up with nobody. Uh, yeah, that wouldn't be either. Yeah. Well, they can try group Tinder again. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yeah, I'm sure that'll end well. But yeah, other than that, I guess we're just kind of waiting to see what happens. We'll um, see. I, yeah. uh, I'm scared. Don't, don't let Axe body spray down. Yeah, seriously. They're rooting for you too. Yeah, please. Suttered. Do not let them down. We're going to need some sponsorship from Axe Body Spray for this episode. <laughs> yeah, right? We'll, We're uh, not getting money from them at all, but we keep plugging them. <laughs> yes. All right. I guess we should move on then. There's not too much else <laughs> yeah, to say there's there. there's nothing more to say. Um, but really the last but certainly not least part of the episode is Pamela Dolan is finally shown on the show. Um, and is actually speaking to Jane and Jacqueline. Uh, can I, can I, um, just like, you know, before you get into like the recap for this little plot, I just gotta say, both of us were right. You were more right, though. What? Wait, what do you mean? What was I right about? <laughs> In the last episode, um, you and I were talking about how, like, oh, how's Pamela Dolan's character gonna be? And I was saying, like, oh, I think she's gonna be a little bit more nuanced. And you were saying, like, oh, no, I think she's gonna be straight up evil. Yeah. And, I don't know, do you agree? I feel like she was straight up evil. I feel like ultimately, yes. I think that she tried to play the, like, nice card to see if it would work, but when she realized it wouldn't, she was just like, fuck it. (laughs) Wait, why did she play the nice card? Like, not nice, but like, you know, she was just kind of, like, chatty with them in the beginning, like, chatting with Jacqueline. I don't know, I thought she was just kind of, like, a little more professional, I guess I could say, you should say, than... Oh, gotcha, okay, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, okay. All right, now now that you mentioned that, yeah, I do get what you're saying. But I also think that that was written in so that you were really unsure of where this whole interview was going to go. Yeah. At the same time, though, like, you know, how she, like, denied pretty much every abuse allegation. She didn't didn't really deny it. She just said, no comments, no comments. Which, you know, it's not like she said anything like, oh, those those girls deserved it or anything like that. Because I feel like that would be a little bit over the top. So, in a sense, I feel like she was a little bit more nuanced in her portrayal and characterization. Well, I think she was coming from a place of confidence because she knew that she was going to tell the New York Star about the story so that they would get ahead of Jacqueline and Jane's piece. Yeah. I want to know, what were the models actually getting contacted for? Quote, unquote, bad model behavior? I'm like, what will that have to do with? Yeah, I don't know why they would contact the models and say that i actually like the approach that pamela dolan's pr team like came up with saying that like oh she was a powerful woman who had to like try so hard to get ahead and everything like that but like what does bad model behavior have anything to do with have anything to do with anything really especially with pamela telling jacqueline you used to be a big war reporter what happened now you just tear women down so it just seems kind of weird that like you know she's getting a reporter to tear other women down yeah, I feel like she was trying to get ahead of the their allegations by implying that they're not credible. It was almost like she wanted they wanted to get the models to kind of bash each other so that they oh. at least I I don't know, that's the only thing that kind of makes sense. 
but who knows. What did I want to know about this um, big um, email hack for Scarlet, though? Pamela Dolan saw all these, like, you know, emails and everything. She saw the audio files from these models. But didn't the general public get to see that stuff, too? Yeah. Yeah. I guess it just wasn't as big of a deal to the public. And maybe, like, it would have only been a big deal if a news outlet, like, picked it up and ran with it. And I guess they just didn't. I feel like the New York Star's kind of problematic, too. Like, come on, like, you know, can't you see, like, there's already evidence that this is happening? Like, don't you see that she's trying to put you in her back pocket? It's it's not evidence, though. It's just somebody's statement. I mean, it's not, like, it's evidence, but it's circumstantial. I mean, it's like, it's just a witness or, you know, right. a victim speaking out. But that's not proof. It's not like having camera footage of her doing this. So maybe they just didn't feel like it had enough clout just having one model who wanted to be anonymous and wasn't willing to come on the record at that point either. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely right. Too. So, so it might just not have been picked up for that reason. Plus, again, like we've said, or we've been told anyway, Pamela Dolan has a lot of pull and people were afraid to speak out against her. So yeah. news outlets might have been afraid. But the big thing really, I think, with the progression of the Pamela Dolan case that's important to point out is that because they find out that the models are being contacted by the New York Star, Jacqueline realizes that Pamela Dolan is trying to have their story be scooped, you know, and have another story come out that essentially would kind of discredit their story because they're waiting for their story to come out in the fall issue. But Jacqueline realizes we need to just take this to the dot com right now. And by doing that, that means they're essentially handing over control to Patrick, who we finally see again after like three episodes (laughs) of not being there. Um, He was in the last episode, wasn't he? Or maybe it was the episode before that. Maybe. I just feel like he wasn't in it like for real in a long time. He's only been in like one scene at a time lately. (laughs) Yeah. And (laughs) yeah, it's just, I don't know. It's just kind of funny to me when they like are on the phone with him and you're like, well, I know he's not there. (laughs) But um, yeah, so Patrick is obviously happy to take the story, but it does sort of take the spotlight away from Jacqueline and her success with the print because they're not going to be able to run it in the fall issue. Which I want to know, like, how, you know, I've never worked in a magazine before, but I want to know, like, how does this work? Like, why can't this story still be in the print publication? It can. It's just that by then so many people will have already read it that it won't have the same impact. Yeah, but that's know. that's just where it's coming from. You know, like you're not going to put the cover of the magazine like you're like whatever you see on the cover of the magazine, you're not going to see online until that cover comes out. Yeah. And, and I true, think I, I think that was kind of their whole point. It's probably not, you know, at this point cuz it's going to already generate so many clicks and whatnot, it probably won't be a cover story at that point. Exactly. That's yeah, so it's just not it just loses its I don't know, it's spark or like it's newness by, you know, putting it online first. But, you know, putting it on the dot com and using social media and everything like that, marketing wise, I think that it'll probably end up reaching more people that way. Ultimately, I think it's a good thing. It just kind of makes me wonder what that means for Jacqueline. Because she's already kind of, like, hanging on by a thread. Yeah, true. And we haven't really seen many updates in regards to, like, you know, her little, um... I don't want to say her feud with Patrick, because I don't think Patrick is, like... I don't think Patrick's creating this feud. I think it's, like, definitely the higher-ups who are sort of, like, creating this entire um, conflict between the two of them. Yeah, it's more like the board's opinion of Jacqueline and her worth. Exactly. With Patrick being so successful with the dot-com. Yeah. I thought the storyline was so interesting, though, because at the end of the night, Jacqueline had to swallow her pride and say, you know what? The story is very important. We need Patrick's help. Yeah. Well, I think it was really a testament to Jacqueline's character 
You know, I mean, that she's really just a great person overall. And her her interests are always with journalism and good journalism and not just about being right or being the best or appearing as though you're the best. Because, I mean, honestly, it's still her, her and Jane's story. You know, it's still she's still successful in that aspect of it. She did a lot of the legwork and she was there for all the interviews. You know, like, I mean, this was a really good effort for both of them. It's just as an editor, it doesn't really do much for her. True. Maybe they'll just demote her to a writer, and then she and Jane will work together all the time. That'd be kind of cool, oh, actually. No. I mean, yeah, but Jacqueline's hot shit. I mean, yes, Jacqueline's the best. Don't get me wrong. I'm not. I don't. I'm not like rooting for that. But I'm just saying that I. I don't want the, her to leave the show. And I think it would be yeah. interesting because she's been developing a dynamic with Jane and like a closeness with Jane. That it would be cool to see them working together more often. We'll say. Yeah, we shall see. Hopefully by the end of the season, we'll see how this whole feud between Patrick and Jacqueline concludes. Right. Or and, continues. And at the end of the episode, this episode, Jane is um, looking at her phone and sees that the story has been released, but we didn't get any public reaction yet. So I'm curious how that plays out as well. Yeah, exactly. And I wonder like how Pamela's own will react. Yeah, seriously. I think that's going to be a big focus in the episode. At least I hope so. I don't know. They have a lot of shit to cover. <laughs> so exactly. we'll see. All right. Now that we're done with the episode, do you want to head into the fashion closet and discuss all of our favorite things? Oh, that's adorable. Yes. I know. It's only the end of season three and I just came up with that. Yeah, but that's great. So let's just <laughs> run with it. It's like, why did we come up with this earlier? Let's head into the fashion closet. That's so cute. All right. So so what was your favorite part, Jeremy? Um, Sutton shot with Carly. No. Oh. I just thought it was very empowering. I, I liked how it was like a different type of conversation about like trying to find your self-worth. And I just thought it was beautiful. Wow. That was really profound. Thanks. What was your favorite part, Sam? Oh. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, geez. All right. I always have to follow up after these like really good ones. <laughs> Damn. Okay. Honestly, I think my favorite part kind of piggybacking off of you was when... Oliver talks to Sutton at the election party and he says, even though I think gender is a social construct, you know, I, he's like, I'm not a woman and I'm happy that Carly has strong women in her life, you know, to be there for her and to guide her. I also love that Sutton's called herself Aunt Sutton. Yeah, it's nice. (laughs) But I'm just like, are her and Oliver really that close? I mean, they are, but you know, how close can a boss and employee really be? (laughs) Yeah, but I think it's, like, different when it's a boss and an assistant, as opposed to just, like, like someone who works under you. Like, they, That's true, you know, yeah. they work together all the time. Plus, like, she was there for, like, the whole custody battle with Carly, you know, for Carly. And yeah, it just, I don't know. It, I don't think that he's necessarily calling her on Sutton. I think it was just, like, a nice moment, and she just wanted to call herself that to Carly for the closeness factor. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, I like their relationship. They're adorable. Yeah, it's really sweet. Who is your best dressed? Adina. <laughs> keep, keep, keep going. I, I'm just like, I was just like, I was very proud of myself. I like had it. When <laughs> when Kat goes to see Adina at her apartment, her gorgeous freaking apartment, um, <laughs> Adina looks like, you know, like a freaking rock star. I don't know. I just like love that her jeans are like two, like the front and the back of her de- jeans are two separate colors. They're high-waisted. They're high-waisted. And she's got like a, a really nice like tank top going on and her heels are pretty fierce and her hair is fabulous. You never really see her hair just like out like that either. Yeah. You only really see her like that when she's like alone, like in her in her house with like cat or something. Right. She looked good. She looked really great. 
Well, I said the exact same thing. That's why I was like, keep going. Oh my God. How does this <laughs> always speaking, happen? You're speaking my love language, Sam. Keep going. <laughs> so seriously, Adina was your best dress too? Yes. Oh my God. We don't usually pick the same best dress though, do we? I just feel like we always pick something the same. We usually pick, we usually pick the same ships. Yeah, except last week. We did not. No. Did, was it last week? I don't know. Whatever. Like These all blend together at some point. Yes. <laughs> Which, speaking of which, great transition. Who do you ship this week? Oh, dang. I have to go first? No, who do you ship? Uh, well, I, already ha- I, I, I write down the answers. You're always the one who struggles, and I always edit out your struggle from the episode. <laughs> okay, fine. All right. <laughs> then- so, I mean, I can't tell you mine right now. <laughs> so, Carly and her self-worth. Oh, damn, that's really good. So what's yours? Oh, man. I was honestly going to say Sutton and Carly. I had that written down, but then I thought it was creepy because it was an adult and a child. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, it's relationship and I don't know. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, people would know what I meant if I did that. So I just decided to just go the extra mile and say, yeah. Well, yours was really good. I just, you know, I don't mean to offend anybody <laughs> or make anybody feel creeped out. I just think it was a nice no, moment. I don't think it's creepy. I, I know what you mean. Because <laughs> I was really, going to say the same thing. I was like, eh. It's really from, like, role model to, you know, kid essentially yeah you know it's just definitely somebody for her to look up to and really open up to and feel as though she's able to talk about things with her and you know i don't know aunt to niece situation aunt to niece aunt to niece who's aunt to niece aunt to niece (laughs) (laughs) i'm like i don't know how else to say this i thought she said aunt to niece i'm like who the hell is aunt to niece you don't remember her Shut up. <laughs> what happens if she in? Like, <laughs> oh my god. Oh, I'm totally keeping that in. <laughs> well, I'm glad that that didn't that didn't work out the way that I wanted it to because that was much funnier. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's perfect. Don't you love how like you know whenever like we fuck up on something, I never say like oh god, edit that out. I'm always like we're gonna leave that in. Yeah, we're just we're just gonna let that go because that was good. Because <laughs> I always hate that in podcasts whenever they're like. <laughs> guess we gotta edit that out and then they don't edit it out oh that's lame it's cheesy so i'm just like we're leaving that in (laughs) we fucked up whatever it's cool we got this all right all right how does this episode inspire you to live your bold type life oh you had to jump in and ask me first i did i had to like cut you (laughs) off i was like no i'm going last um sutton and carly's storyline inspire me just because I feel like I'm always the type of person who says, like, oh, God, what if people think I'm weird? What if people think I'm, like, doing something wrong and whatnot? And Sutton just, like, gave me that reminder that, like, hey, there's people are too busy thinking about themselves, thinking about what they're doing and how they're going to be perceived to worry so much about me. Yeah. Wow. So I thought that was just a really good reminder. So just, you know, figure out that people are just as self-conscious as you are. Yeah. And, and most of the time, you really are not alone in the way you're feeling. So exactly. What about you? So I'm gonna say Jacqueline. Um, okay. Because I think that given her power and her her role at Scarlet, that given that she has a lot to prove at this point, because you know she's kind of under the impression that her job might be on the line, and they've been using this piece as a way to you know get her back on the map and let the board see her worth. And I just really appreciated how she was able to push that aside and say like, no, we need to tell this story to make sure it reaches the right amount of people, to make sure that it gets the right amount of coverage, and that means giving up my control of it and passing it on to Patrick. 
And I think we could all learn a little bit from that to not be so prideful all the time. And Absolutely. Yeah. I just think Jacqueline freaking rocks. So yeah, you go, girl. Always. Can you believe that there's only one more episode left after this? I really can't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what am I going to do with the rest of my Wednesdays? I don't know. Let's just keep this episode going for like four hours. Oh my so gosh. it never has to end. Oh. What else can we talk about now? <laughs> like, oh my god, I don't, I don't know. We talked about everything. <laughs> Let's talk about Aunt Denise. <laughs> Just flesh out her character here. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of The Bold Talk. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Bold Talk. And since you've already been listening, hopefully for the last nine episodes and more, uh, leave us a five-star <laughs> review on iTunes. It helps other people find us, and honestly, we just want the love. And you can email us at theboldtalk at gmail.com if you have a question or a comment. I am Jeremy Rodriguez. You can follow me on Twitter at Rodriguez Jeremy. That's Rodriguez with a G and a Z. Jeremy is spelled J-E-R-E-M-Y. Instagram is the same with an underscore at the end of it. And I'm Sam Saff. You can follow me on Twitter at Sam Saff 3 or on Instagram at Sam May Marie 3. That's S-A-M-M-A-Y-M-A-R-I-E 3. We'll catch you next time for our discussion of the third season finale. <laughs> Don't cry. Okay, I'll try not to. <laughs> Till then, go unleash holy hell.